Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Steve Clawson was a man of faith, but pain from his childhood made it hard for him to deal with reality. His addiction to marijuana became so bad that he feared heaven because he couldn't get high there. Steve has since overcome not only his addiction to marijuana, but also the pain and the anger that had been built up over years. Today, he'll share his story and how he managed to get to the place that he's in today. That's today on Connections. Today's guest has experienced quite the roller coaster ride when it comes to his life. Pain from his childhood led him to become addicted to marijuana. He has since overcome that. Today, he's going to share his story. But first of all, Steve, we want to hear a little bit about your work in ministry. You're currently the regional director of the camps portion of Athletes in Action. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm in the process right now of taking over the role of regional director. Uh, for, of course, what is now a 25-year-old program here in Manitoba. And essentially what we do is we host, give or take, 40 sports camps throughout Manitoba in various communities, including free camps that we offer in Winnipeg's inner city as well as at Shimadawa First Nation. Uh, the camps themselves are coached by a team of Christian University athletes. And as much as we love our sports, we are first and foremost a ministry and uh, sports is really just the vehicle that we've chosen to be able to share the gospel. Sport is so powerful in the way that it's able to break down all types of barriers, and it unites people in a way that little else does, which kind of gives us uh, an access path into the lives of these kids. How did you land this role, and how did you get into ministry? Yeah, how I got into it is an interesting uh, story in and of itself. Um, I shared my own personal story um, from the meeting place stage of, in February of last year, and that was the first time that I had ever shared it publicly. Um, for me, it was a means of confession, but it was also an opportunity to give God the glory for the miraculous things that he had done in my life. Um, I also felt that this was a step of faith that God was asking for from me. He was doing so many miraculous things in my life. He had completely changed me as a person, and I was sure that as this new creation, that he must also have a new purpose, and, you know, along with that, I thought also a life-giving career in mind as well, and so I told him that I would submit myself to his will. Whatever he asked me to do, I would do. If he wanted me to shout his name from the rooftops, then that's exactly what I would do, and uh, within weeks of sharing at the meeting place, um, I found myself on a Zoom call with the managing director from Athletes in Action, who began to tell me about an opportunity in Manitoba uh, as the current regional director was looking to move on. And my wife, Gloria, and I knew instantly that this was where God was calling us. It's amazing how God works. His timing is incredible. Leading up to this position, Steve Clausen was filled with pain, a pain that was really hard to overcome. It was so overwhelming to him that he became addicted to marijuana. Steve, tell us a little bit about your story. Absolutely. Um, oh, where to begin? Well, my story is really mostly about sort of a traumatic childhood and, and a difficult childhood. And it's something that I have never really been super comfortable talking about. And, and that's why February of last year was the first time I had ever done so. Um, you know, in fact, when I first met my wife, we 
I think it was our third date, we were out together, and and I was really smitten with her, though we didn't know each other well. And uh, and I told her that if this was going to continue on, that I had two specific requirements. Uh, thing one, I needed her to know that I wasn't comfortable talking about my childhood, about my dad, about my family. There was a lot of history there, and those were things that were only my business. And thing two was that I smoke pot, and I smoke it a lot, and that's never going to change. And so as long as you're comfortable with both of those things, then maybe we'll see a date four. And uh, amazingly, she agreed <laughs> and has since married me, and, uh, and we've now been together for 21 years. Um, but essentially, my dad left my mom and I for the first time when I was about four years old, and was really only sporadically in, in and out of my life after that. Um, and truthfully, most of the memories that I have that surround my dad come with their share of pain. Uh, I can remember many evenings over the years crying in my mom's lap and asking her why, which of course is a ridiculous question for a four-year-old to be asking their mother about such a thing. Um, and when I was 13, things in my extended family really went off the rails. And, uh, and I decided at that moment that my mom was the only trustworthy person in the world and that I hated everyone else, especially everyone in my family. And that included my grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone. Um, and this was a real turning point for me because this was sort of the moment where my sadness that I had had for all of these years really turned into anger and became a real root of bitterness in my life. And, and speaking of that anger, that anger only grew once you had your own child. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because I always believed that all I needed to do was allow enough time to pass if enough water flowed under the bridge that inevitably I would just begin to feel better. I would be less angry, I would think about it less often, and it would just go away. Um, but yeah, when my daughter was born, uh, that really was uh, a turning point as well. Um, I began to see things now from the parental perspective, and I started to weigh many of the decisions that my dad had made when I was a child, and I would imagine myself as the parent making those decisions that he made and bringing those consequences on Sophie. And needless to say, that did nothing but drive me deeper into anger. And, uh, and, and of course, then my habit really began to grow deeper and deeper, even though I was now a dad and a husband and a Christian. Um, I was just not able to shake these things. You know, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 22, but I always held back these two areas of my life. This was sort of a closed door in my world. I said, I will give my life to you, but don't ask me to forgive these things and don't ask me to give up my habit. And, uh, and yeah, having a daughter definitely rooted those things even more deeply. Which is interesting because typically when people have children and they've struggled in their life, that's that moment that changes them for the opposite. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've always struggled with forgiveness as it relates to my dad and, and a handful of other family members that I had sort of felt had wronged me over the years. And, you know, I grew up in a time in Steinbeck where we said the Lord's Prayer at the beginning of every day in class. And I used to mouth the words when you came to the part that said, forgive me as I forgive, because I always felt as though I was condemning myself because I knew that those were things that I would never be able to forgive. And as much as I tried over the years to forgive him, as I got older and I began to have a better understanding of the severity of the choices that were made, I became less forgiving. And that became much more obvious and much more clear when Sophie was born. It wasn't until one day, Stephen, that one of your grandparents was on their deathbed that things changed for you. Yeah, that's right. It was, uh, it's my, my dad's mom. So my grandmother had passed away. And, uh, and so, of course, I raced down to the hospital to be able to say my own goodbyes. And by the time I got there, it was just my dad and my grandmother left in the room. And so I said my goodbyes to my grandma, and I sat down beside my dad, which was immediately uncomfortable. And, uh, and I just felt the Holy Spirit pulling words out of me. And with tears streaming down my face, I just poured my heart out to him. I didn't do it in anger or in, in bitterness, but I really just started to explain to him how all of the decisions that he had made affected my life, all the consequences of his choices in my world that he would never have seen or perhaps chose not to see. And, uh, and I have no idea how long I monologued for, but by the time I was done, there was a lake of tears between my feet. And, uh, and I know they were hard words for him to hear, but to his credit, he listened in complete humility. He never interrupted me. He never argued or defended himself. He literally just sat there and listened. And, uh, and I had fantasized about that conversation countless times in my life. And by the time I got back to my car and sat there in silence, the reality of what had just happened just overwhelmed me. I was in complete shock that this conversation had actually taken place. And I... I just, the over, I guess the, the emotion overwhelmed me and I just started screaming at the very top of my lungs and pounding the steering wheel with my fists. And I wasn't aware of it then, but I realized in retrospect that my identity was so wrapped up in the anger and the hatred that I carried. And suddenly here I was in this moment where I felt God lifting that burden off my shoulders and bringing me to a place of forgiveness, I literally felt my identity unraveling around me. And it was shortly after that that I found myself having a conversation with my wife about my habit, which was so hard to do. It's, it's like Pandora's box, right? Once you take the top off, you can never put it back on. And so I avoided ever talking about it. Um, but I confessed to her, that I knew that my habit had indeed become a problem, um, that it was an all-consuming problem, and to the degree that, <laughs> you know, 
it feels foolish to even say this out loud, but I was nervous about what heaven was going to be like because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to get high there, and I had no idea how people could be sober and awake and happy all at the same time. And I braced myself for her response, but instead of being angry with me and yelling and shouting, which she would certainly have had every right to do, she was so gracious. She asked me to kneel on the floor and pray with her, which we did. And three days later, I found myself in uh, my pastor's office telling him the entire story. And he prayed with me, and he offered me some wisdom. He told me that, like a classic counselor, he told me that he was sure that I already knew what I had to do. And, uh, and then he suggested that in order to set my mind in the right place each day, um, that I read one chapter of Acts every day for 28 days, and thus working my way through the story. So, and then he, he said something that really surprised me, and, and I'll never forget it. He said, as you fail, make sure that you're honest with Gloria. And I was so blown away that he had given me permission to fail. And so it was literally the following day, which was May 12, 2017. I have it bookmarked in my calendar. Uh, was my very first day of sobriety. And by God's grace, today is day 1,184. Not that I'm counting. Can you tell us a little bit about what life is like now, now that you've overcome all of this? You know, I just, I'm a completely different person. God really changed me from the inside out. When this all happened, I, I sort of referred to it as my Grinch moment, where my heart grew three sizes. And... God opened my eyes to the way he sees people. And for the first time in my life, I can really understand how God loves everyone. And he's given me a heart after his own in that sense. Um, But what is life like? I mean, I have a new marriage. My wife still reminds me regularly that she has a new husband, that she finally sees me as a man at peace. Our relationship is much stronger. I'm a much more patient person. My relationship with my kids is vastly improved. Um, And I just feel free. You know, it's almost impossible to describe to someone who has spent their entire adult life in a prison cell to describe to you what it's like to feel free. But that is truly how I feel. Um, I take nothing for granted. I am so appreciative of how Jesus saved me from my situation. And of course, now with Athletes in Action, my career is so life-giving and so fulfilling. And as we have meetings, and I put that in air quotes because (laughs) meetings is talking about the Lord and spending time praying together and talking about how we can impact our community. It's, uh, it's, It's a special kind of thing that I never thought I would have access to, and I feel so incredibly blessed by it. What would you say is the best part uh, about your career? Um, I would say that the best part of my career for me is that it takes the three things in my life that I am most passionate about 
and it wraps them together and, and turns it into an occupation. Sports has always mattered a great deal to me. I was always an athlete. That was my outlet. That was where I, I found freedom from my circumstances is I played basketball. I played volleyball because when I was there, I was just playing. No one could touch me, and I didn't have to think about my life outside of that place. My faith is obviously incredibly important to me. God has done miraculous things in my life, and I owe all that I have and all that I am to Him. And like I said before, the way He has changed my heart for people, I feel so compelled to be a difference maker in my world within my circle of influence, whether that's sharing my story or whether that is leading a team of coaches who then lead a team of kids. Um, between sports, my faith, and my love of people, God has custom-ordered my career for me that is so specifically perfect for who I am and the road that I've walked to get to this place. For our listeners out there who have been in a similar situation or going through something similar, what would you say to them? You know, it's hard to give someone advice when they're in a place like that because it's really hard for your ears to be willing to listen to anyone. But um, I guess I would start by saying that being vulnerable about what you're going through is not weakness. Even if it brings you to tears to be able to say it out loud to someone. We have been taught this lie that vulnerability is weakness, but the opposite is true. Vulnerability is actually strength. There is no strength in hiding behind a mask and pretending that everything is okay when everything is indeed not okay. And I would also encourage you to say that we all carry a burden. There's something that every single person that you meet every day is carrying with them that they don't like to talk about. But the incredible thing is, is that when you say something out loud and you are vulnerable with someone, you rob those lies of their power. And all of the assumptions that you've carried with you for all this time suddenly become less true. And you're able, you suddenly are able to have those blinders taken off of your eyes and you can see the truth for what it is. And that's where healing begins. You know, when I told my wife where I was really at, she carried a piece of my burden. And then I shared it with my pastor and he carried a piece. I shared it with my community. And I have made a habit now of sharing it with youth groups and individuals over time. And every time I do, I am further set free from the burdens that i thought I would take to my grave, and that so defined me for my whole life. So all of that to say, find a safe person and just say it out loud. And then brace yourself, because the surprising thing that I have come to realize is that because everyone else is carrying a burden too, is that they are very likely going to come over the top and tell you something that they don't tell anyone, because vulnerability provokes vulnerability. We're all waiting to tell someone our story, but we're also all waiting for someone else to go first. 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Connection, Steve. Don't forget, you can listen to the full episodes on your radio station in the morning as well as the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastphil.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.